One of the guys who does uh, the, the best job of that has been following them his whole life, and for the last several seasons he's been calling every home game on the SEC Network Plus. That's Bart Gregory, and Bart is on your radio right now. Bart, thanks for coming along here on a Thursday. How you doing, sir? Man, we're doing great. Doing great. Just uh, sitting in the office trying to get a little work done and trying to get the – trying to figure out some ticket situations and yeah. man, it's just a just a beautiful day here in Starkville. Yeah. Well, um I've been doing the same thing, Bart, is you know, looking at the possibilities, you know, if state state's gotta win one more game to get in the finals and if they do that, I'm gonna head up there and take the radio equipment with me and, you know, maybe do some shows um next week. Um what do you think the chances are? I now th- this is not to paint you in a corner. We don't even know who you're playing, but state's gotta win one game Somebody else is about to have to win three, either Virginia or Texas. Um, how do you see it shaping up? Well, that's one of the things you really just don't know. And and the reason is, is when you get into this part of the tournament, when you get into this part of the College World Series, and of course, you know, we feel good about having Houston Harding. I mean, he's, mm-hmm. you know, our number three guy, and we started him last week. And that was the, that was the big question was, is, you know, do you start Houston Harding? Because even in his starts, he has not been real clean, and he's just a guy that's been really good out of the bullpen. And but but now you know the, that question is answered. You know kind of who you're going to pitch. Mm-hmm. The thing about this time of year in in the College World Series, when teams have had to go through the losers bracket, is what does their pitching look like, and who are they going to you know, who are they going to start you know on the mound? I look at you know we play the winner of Virginia and Texas, and so today Texas is going with their number two guy. Pete Hansen, nine and one guy. I mean, we saw Pete in the last two innings mm-hmm. of our game in, on Sunday, and so he draws the start today. Virginia starting the right-hander, you know, Vasile, and you know this is his 16th start. He's the number two starter behind Abbott for Virginia. Yeah, and just the way everything kind of mixes up and matches up, and then all of a sudden you got to figure out who pitches where. Then if you get to the championship series, how does your pitching set up? That's that's what's crazy because you know if Texas wins today, they're probably going to come back with Ty Madden tomorrow, and so what does that do for a Saturday? Mm-hmm. What does that do for their pitching? Because Texas and Virginia right now are just scratching and clawing and trying to figure out a way just to get to Saturday, and that's where you're in such a good shape, even though the the, the field is so spread out with the tournament and having the extra days off. You feel good about your pitching. That's the positive. Is even if Houston Harding, who in his last outing, you know, went just four innings, you've got plenty of guys out in the bullpen to kind of back end him to get it, you know, to get it to the end. Now, you may be doing it without Landon Sims just because the the vast number of pitches he's thrown so far. He threw fifteen in the Tuesday night game, and most of those were sliders. Mm. But uh, you know, this it's all about pitching matchups right now. I mean, I look back to two thousand thirteen. And he felt like if you could just win Monday or Tuesday against UCLA, you had a chance, a really good chance to win the national championship because you could bring Kendall Graveman back on Wednesday. Well, Kendall pitched the Friday game, and he just didn't feel it on Tuesday, a three days rest. So it's just about who you, who can you get to the mound mm-hmm. in the big outings. That's that's what you're facing right now. Bart, as it relates to state. And the fact that Christian McLeod has been an ace for you, he's a big reason State was a top eight seed, and he had a bad outing in Omaha and only went an inning and a third. 
is there somehow possibly glass half full maybe an advantage in that that he's available whenever and if he comes back and the light bulb is on he's he can be really good yeah i mean i think absolutely i think there's something to that i really do uh just because he didn't throw you know that many pitches in the game and so yeah you could probably bring him back a little bit quicker you know the thing about you know christian his numbers weren't great against north carolina last week but he oh, excuse me against notre dame last week but he went five innings he gave up some some early runs in that game but you didn't feel like he was he was great, but he was okay. Mm-hmm. But against Virginia, he left some balls up. He left them across the middle of the plate. Uh, he didn't have his breaking ball. That's that's the key. And, and Matt, we've talked about this all season long. You know, Christian McLeod, for him to be successful in the pitch where he wants to pitch high in the zone, he has to have a breaking ball working. And he just didn't have it the other night. Sometimes when you walk out of that pen, sometimes you just don't have it. And we talked to Josh Lovelady about this, of course, former Bulldog catcher. We talked to Josh about it, you know, after the ball game the other night, and, and he was like, "Sometimes with a breaking ball, you may have the velo, you may have the the fastball working in, in the RPMs, but sometimes you just can't find the spin." And he couldn't find the spin. He couldn't find the changeup. He couldn't find the breaking ball, and he pretty much became a one pitch pitcher. And and he knew that he didn't have it. And so, what do you do when you don't have when you don't have feel for your breaking ball? You tend to, mm-hmm. you know, leave them up. You tend to, you know, just hang breaking balls. You get behind an account. You get behind an account. You're throwing two zero fastballs. Yeah. And so it seemed like every hitter's count the other night for Virginia, you had a hitable pitch. And so it just puts you behind the eight ball. And so I'm not, hey, I'm by no means am I giving up on Christian McLeod. He's one of the reasons you're here. And uh, sooner or later, whether it be in a relief role coming out of the bullpen or using him in a starting role, uh, you're going to have to have Christian McLeod if if you want to do what you can you know do what you want to do at the very end. No doubt about it. Bart Gregory on your radio. You heard Bart reference an interview with Josh Lovelady. Uh, he and Charlie Winfield have the Out of Left Field uh, baseball podcast, and y'all need to check it out if you haven't already. Everywhere you can get a podcast, you can follow Bart on Twitter. He's just at Bart Gregory uh, right there. Yeah, and I'm just, you know, kind of looking ahead. There's so many different possibilities that, that hang out there. You never know which way it's going to go. Bart, earlier there was a lengthy conversation on this show today about Vanderbilt on the other side and their possibilities. You know, it's all about rocker and lighter. When do they come back? And state fans arguing, you know, we want to face NC State. No, we want to face Vandy. Have you looked across there and thought about those possibilities about Vandy coming through there with their two starting pitchers and how that might shake out? Well, I'll tell you what, you know, you're probably going to see them the next two days. I mean, you would think. You would yeah. think you'd see, you know, Rocker tomorrow against NC State, and then if you win, you see Lighter against, you know, NC State, and then what does that do to you for next weekend? It's all about, not. it's not just about winning. And I, I know coaches are going to take one game at a time, and it is one game at a time, but it's also a little bit of luck, too about if you get through this, that's where we were very unlucky in 2013 because you had to use your star, you had to use your ace and Kendall Graveman on Friday just to get there. Mm-hmm. And so then you're trying to piece together everything in the championship series. And so you ask yourself the question, just like I talked about a moment ago, you know, I remember Kendall was a bounce-back guy. And so you use you know, Rocker on Friday. And I mean, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not that guy. I'm not going to sit there and say, "Hey, you're not looking ahead." Yeah, everybody's looking ahead. Everybody's doing that. I'm not a coach. I'll tell you, everybody's doing it. But the thing about using Rocker on Friday, 
then off three days rest, I don't just remember Kendall saying on Tuesday, I, I want to go so bad, but I can't. Mm. You're talking about three days rest on guys that have been getting six days rest. Okay, then it's one thing to move a guy up one day when you play a Thursday night game. You're talking about three days rest on a college pitcher who's, to be honest with you, it's not like Vanderbilt hadn't been throwing these guys a whole lot. And so then the question becomes is could you bring him back for, for game two for the National Championship Series? Mm. You know, wisdom, conventional wisdom says you could probably bring him back for game three. But if lighter pitches Saturday, if you win Friday, lighter pitches Saturday, it's almost like, you know, unless he goes, unless he goes two innings, I mean, that may be the last you see a lighter. That's and right. The, the, the last time you, you know, hopefully see a cut in of every family member he owns on this, <laughs> <see> a rocket. <laughs> and, and I say that to say this, I, I laugh. You know, evidently outlier. You know, he was a he was a former teammate of Jay Powell. Yeah. And evidently outlier is just a phenomenal human being. He's a great guy, and, it's, and it probably embarrasses him to know that the way that Bart, ESPN has treated his family. I don't think it's fair to the families when they do it's that. Not. Also, no. because I'll be honest with you, if it was my son. And and I'm sitting there, I just want to watch the ball game and kind of have my own experience, but I'm worried about their constant I can't even pick my nose because they may have me on camera. You know, I don't like but so yeah. in some ways I could argue it's not necessarily always fair. Hey, let me tell you them. this, man. You start start talking about that Vanderbilt team. Of course, you know, everybody knows Tracy Rocker who played at you know Auburn in football and you know was a great defensive lineman. So much has been talked about Kumar's parents. Let me tell you something. You wanna start throwing in great baseball bats, I mean you start talking about Roberto Vaz. Mm-hmm. I mean, Vaz is the top of that order, and what you know, Bradfield's the top of the order, but Vaz is down in that order. I mean, Roberto Vaz at Alabama was. You remember the mid nineties, man, ninety six, ninety seven. Roberto Vaz, he was unreal. He yeah. was on those Alabama College World Series teams. That's right. That's right. They've got some bloodlines over there for sure. I mean, no question about it. Bart. Um, just curious, you're talking about guys pitching on short rest and, and having a three days rest and coming back. Everybody throws hard now. Now, shoot me straight on this. I, I, because I, I don't know. You'll know better than me. Um, guys that throw hard, rock or lighter, lighter out there throwing, you know, 95, 96, he's throwing harder in the ninth than he did early in the game the other night. Do they need rest more than the guy who's an 88 fastball and throwing a lot of off speed? Well, I mean, uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, just because it's quote-unquote max effort. Mm. Um, But then you ask yourself a question about, you know, bringing guys back out of the bullpen. I mean, Landon Sims, you bring him back on one day's rest, and you could you could tell. I mean, his fastball. When he threw a fastball the other night, it was eighty nine. Yeah. I mean, and so what does what does that tell you? You know, you got a guy ninety six, ninety seven. You know, he's topping out two nights later. At 89, that kind of tells you a, a lot about, you know, velocity and what you're used to. And, and, and I go back to the point, and, you know, Vanderbilt has, has ridden these horses all season long. I mean, these guys were throwing 120 pitches in March. So you kind of ask yourself the question, you know, if you can get them ready and get them rested, yeah, you feel fine about them throwing out there and going seven, eight innings, but it's keeping them rested over those days. Now, can you back in a guy like that on three days rest? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> you might can. Now, you know, then the question becomes, okay, then you start thinking about when's the bullpen sessions. And this time of year, that's the question you ask. Okay, so how, when do you usually throw a bullpen? It's usually, you know, off two days rest. Mm-hmm. They got pitches on Thursday, Friday, Saturday. That's why a conference tournament, sometimes the guy that pitches on Thursday, 
you may see him on Sunday throw 40 pitches yeah. because usually a bullpen session is about 40 pitches. So you may see a guy who starts come back off two days rest, but you probably don't start him. You may get him, you know, on the back end for 30 pitches because that's his bullpen day. I mean, because you're going to get him hot on the bullpen day. What I mean by hot is throwing him max effort. Yeah, so, yeah. That's kind of what you're looking at there. Okay. If, if you're going to start to start, you're looking at four days rest. You've yeah. got to look at a four-day rest. If you're going to start to a finish, a guy on the back end, you could probably go on a two-day rest. But that guy's pretty much going to be handling about you know, 30, 40 pitches. Sure. Bart Gregory on your radio. All right, Bart. So the state's 2-0 and right now in Omaha, a couple of one-run wins. Um, and and – an offensive spurt in the first game and an offensive spurt in the second game, and that's it. So who is your offensive hidden MVP in these two wins for State in Omaha? Okay, so first and foremost, this is what's crazy. We've had 18 at-bats, and we put up a zero in 16 of the 18. <laughs> I mean, you scored, you scored in two innings. Yeah. Let me tell you who my. Let me tell you who my offensive MVP is, and I, and and of course you got to take away Kellen Clark. You got to take away, you know, you got to take away Brad Thomas for that, you know, the triple the other night. You got to take away Tanner Allen. You know, that was his big hit, mm. and Rowdy's done well. I'm, I'm going to tell you my my obscure guy, hands down, is Scotty DeBrule. Told you, I'm sitting here looking at Bill going DeBrule. He's going to say DeBrule. All right, oh, so absolutely. tell me why. <laughs> Let me tell you what, because you, you look at the other night, you look at the other night in the eighth inning to get it started. Guy fell behind 0-2. He worked an eight-pitch at bat, and that was a veteran at bat. Your heart's pumping. The crowd's in the game. It's the eighth inning. You're down four to nothing. You know, at that time, you get two strikes on you. You're in defense mode. For him to be able to work and get a walk and all of a sudden make McGarry go out of the stretch, I thought that was massive. It was just so big. And then all of a sudden, you, you know, they bring the left-hander in later in the inning, and one-run lead you know, doesn't mean a whole lot, especially this time of year in college baseball. And the guy just does what he does. I mean, when you're looking left-on-left, left, we talked to Rafael Palmero about this early in the year, and Rafael was like, you know, the reason I had success against left-handed pitching is because I saw fastball out of his hand the other way. I was looking center away on everything. If I pulled a ball against a left-handed pitcher, it was just pure luck, and he threw me in, and I got my hands around. But I'm looking middle away, and that's Scotty DeBrule right there, man. He gets that pitch outside. He goes the other way. You get the insurance run. You end up needing that insurance run. I'm telling you, two veterans. He had a veteran at bat earlier on when he walked. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, and McGarry had a couple big misses. I thought we kind of let him off the hook right there. Thomas comes up after the guy. After the guy walks to Brule, and they throw him a breaking ball down the way, it's put out of the zone, he swings at it. And it's almost like that re-engaged McGarry back into the game. And so, yeah, I thought the Brule, what he did was, was massive. Yeah, I thought so too. And, you know, looking ahead, again, it's just like I said earlier, you know, you, you're probably not winning a national championship unless Christian McLeod pitches for you and gets you a bunch of outs at some point. You're not going to win a national championship unless the bottom of your lineup goes out here and hits a baseball. And DeBrule and Kellum Clark, Cumbust, um, they showed you some flashes, didn't they? You know, and here's the thing, too. And, you know, so many people, and we've talked to John Cohen about this, and, and Charlie and I have talked about this. Me and you have talked about this, about, you know, Chris Lamonis, you know, kind of gets the 
he kind of gets the baggage of, man, a guy that really doesn't say a whole lot. He's kind of reserved, laid back. Let me tell you something, man. You talk about a fiery guy if you're ever around him. Yeah. But two, but two, here's the thing about baseball coaches. Sometimes baseball coaches say, here's my nine, here they are. And I'm scared to death to punch buttons and try to make something happen. Because sometimes if you have some coaches who try to press too many buttons and then nobody's comfortable and then nothing works. Mm-hmm. It's almost like he waits to the perfect moment. He just, some guys have it, man. I'm telling you, some guys just have the ability to know, I'm going to press this button right here. Getting Josh Hatcher to come in and pinch it for Lane Forsyth in the eighth inning. I mean, that's that's a moment like a lot. Some of the fans, here's what I, I go back to, and I don't mean this in a negative way, and we're, we're, we're reminded of this every baseball season. There's a lot of people that love baseball that don't understand baseball. Yeah. But bringing Hatcher off the bench yeah. in that moment, you talk about pressing the button, man, it worked. And yep. so, yeah, it, this has been a fun ride, man, and he's pressing a lot of buttons right now. Yeah. And we're out of time, Bart, but he told us yesterday, I, I mentioned that, pulling the right strings, and Chris goes, yeah, you know, it's interesting. They say I'm pulling the right strings when my players play good. <laughs> I thought that's a great answer. He's had some days when he's pressed the buttons and it hadn't worked. I can tell you that, that's, too. <laughs> he sure has, for sure. Bart, hey, I appreciate you, man. Talk soon. Absolutely. Thanks, Matt. Thank you. That's Bart Gregory. Bart Gregory on Twitter. And check out he and Charlie on the Out of Left Field podcast. It's really good if you're a baseball fan.